Hi, I'm Pastor Stefan Margeson. This is the sermon podcast for Aldersgate Worship Service of Front Street United Methodist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. Come and join us each Sunday morning in person at 8.45 a.m. in the Aldersgate Gym. God be with you. The scripture this morning is Luke 24, 44 through 53 from the New Revised Standard Version. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I still was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Let's pray together. Father, for these words we give you thanks and for the possibility of serving as disciples of Jesus we praise you thank you for including us and allowing us to be a part of your story in Jesus name we pray amen did you ever wonder why it took so long to leave grandma's house Think about it for just a moment. There was that hug in the living room before you got ready to go, but it wasn't enough. You walked through the house to the kitchen. There were all the aromas and the special desserts that Grandma had made. And you said, I love you, Grandma, but it wasn't enough. You got to the car and she buckled you in, fastened those seat belts around you, and she gave you a kiss. But it wasn't enough. And backing out of her driveway, you waved with all your might and you honked your mom, honked the horn three times to say, I love you. But it wasn't enough. And the last thing you saw was grandma on the porch steps waving goodbye until you turned the corner and went around the curve and you couldn't even see the house anymore. It didn't seem like quite enough. That's why it took so long to leave grandma's house. And if you understand why it took a long time to leave Grandma's house. You'll understand Luke's testimony about the ascension. Jesus says 
this is what I told you. And then he gives these final instructions about what they are to do, where they are supposed to be, how things are going to change. You are my witnesses, Jesus says. And that's an important statement. And then Luke tells us that Jesus lifts his hands and he blesses the disciples that are standing there near Bethany. And they watch and they stare until they can't see him anymore. And maybe for them it seemed like not enough. My guess is, is they had some questions. Where is he going? Why is he leaving? And how is this going to be better? But this message is not about goodbye today. This message is about ascension. And the message of ascension is fulfillment, that God does what he says he will do. That's really what Luke is trying to get across to us this morning. No doubt the disciples had questions. And you and I have questions this day too. We're in a world, oh my goodness, where little children are murdered at school. We're in a world where war still prevails. We're in a world where hunger is a problem. We're in a world where people find themselves anti-everything. And maybe we ask ourselves about this world and about ourselves and about our lives in Christ. Why are we alive? Is God really good? And what does a good God expect of me? If ascension is fulfillment, we need to understand what is complete and what remains to be done. The one thing that is complete is this. God always keeps his word. Remember that Jesus said, everything must be fulfilled written about me in the law, prophets, and the Psalms. That was the whole Bible as they knew in Jesus' generation. In the law, God said to Abraham, go to the place that I will send you, your kindred and your father's house, to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. It was the beginning of that great covenant to be one God over a great people. In the prophets, Isaiah tells us the story of the suffering servant. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the punishment made that made us whole. By his bruises we were healed. In the Psalms, we read those words, Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. 
Every disciple realizes that God is trustworthy. The law, the prophets, the Psalms, and our experience in Jesus teach us that everything that is written and what we know of Jesus helps us to understand that there are no omissions, deletions, or misprints. Now, the truth is that sometimes the Bible is short on details. Abraham didn't get a map to Cana. Isaiah didn't explain to all the people just how suffering would transform the world. And the Psalms praise God, but they sometimes don't reflect the changes that are happening in our world today. Often we do not know where God is guiding us, but what we do know is that He is faithful and that we can place our trust in Him. For if Luke tells us nothing else, about this theme of fulfillment, he does make it clear that God keeps his promises. Not only is God faithful, but God does the dirty work. Now, I understand that that's not really theologically astute, but it is true. Jesus said this Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Now let's think about this idea of a suffering Messiah. It really doesn't make a lot of sense. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense in Jesus' day. It's like taking the winning lottery ticket and tearing it up and throwing it in the trash instead of claiming your prize. Or it's like putting in the third string so that the other team wins the game. A suffering Messiah is a lot like embracing defeat. But understand that suffering is a consequence of sin. Suffering is not the goal, but it is a means to an end. And God goes the difference to reclaim His creation. God created this world as good, but our parents believed a talking snake who said to them, you can be like God. And they thought, well, that's a good deal. I'll buy that. And a brother strikes another brother dead in a field and then has the audacity to look at God and said, was I supposed to take care of him? And on one Friday, the disciples watched their best friend be tortured to death and die. God reverses history by using tragedy to complete his victory. No one expected it. No one thought it would work. But this whole idea of a suffering Messiah brings us from the tragedy of what is to the possibility of what can be in God's fulfilled plan. Some will tell us that life always ends in death, but Jesus wants you to know this. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. 
God overcomes the power of death with the light of love. And some days it really is hard to believe that, my friends. Some days it's really hard to believe that the power of God's love is completely and fulfilling the redemption of this world. But listen to what Paul said. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in the fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, and love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. God reestablishes the loving relationship that he intended from the start. And when people face that love, they understand that sin is wrong and that repentance is possible and that God will redeem them and has done so in Jesus Christ. They gain the courage to turn around and to reverse their course. (coughs) And forgiveness makes relationship possible. Not only has God opened a new way, but he offers help in living it. Jesus says, I am sending upon you what my father promised. Stay here until you're clothed with power from on high. You see, our task is to live the Jesus story, not in our own strength, but in God's powerful spirit. God provides you and me with the strength to live into our calling. And my friends, my experience is, is that God doesn't call the wealthy, the independent, the strong, the brave, the high, or the mighty. But God does call you. And he calls me. He calls people like us who really don't think we have the resources or the abilities that his kingdom needs. And he brings you and me to the conclusion that he has great expectations of us. (coughs) So whatever your call, God provides. I heard the story of an army chaplain that was near the battlefield. And uh, while he was out there, he encountered a soldier that had been wounded. He looked at this young man and he said, can I read you some Bible verses? And the soldier said, no, sir, I'm I'm really, really thirsty. I wonder if you could get me some water. And so the chaplain found canteen, poured poured the water, and let the soldier drink. After he was refreshed, he looked at him and said, well, do you think I could read you some Bible verses now? And the soldier said, well, no, I'm, I'm really cold. I, I wonder if you could get something to cover me up. And so the chaplain took off his coat. Thank you. Took off his coat and turned and gave it to this young soldier. 
chaplain looked and said, so can I read you some Bible verses now? And this young man said, no. I just wonder if you could put something under my head. And so the chaplain did so. Chaplain kind of thought, well, my work must be done and I'm here to proclaim the word of God, but he doesn't want to hear from the Bible. And so he made his goodbyes and told the soldier he was ready to go. And that young man looked at the chaplain and said, uh, look, chaplain, if there's anything in that book of yours that makes a person do for another person what you've done for me, then I want to hear about it. You see, sometimes in our call, we think we need to go about doing things a certain way. And then later we find out that God has used just the ordinary who we are to make a difference in somebody else's life. So how long did it take the disciples to say goodbye to Jesus? I bet they waved. They told him, I love you. They kept looking until they couldn't see him anymore. And then they stopped looking and they remembered. And they made their way back to Jerusalem because back in Jerusalem, they decided to worship and thank God for everything that he had done their lives giving evidence to the love that God had for them and for all humanity. And my friends, on this Ascension Day, like those disciples saying goodbye to Jesus until he comes again, we can do no less. Amen. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we are often baffled by what we hear and see in the world today. For we know this is your world, and yet evil seems so strong. We listen to the news, and we hear of young children and teachers who've lost their lives because great evil has invaded their school. We hear news from other lands, a war that rages, people who are dying, soldiers who are trying to defend, and others who are pushing aggressively. And sometimes, Father, we don't know what to make of that. We only pray for wisdom for our leaders as they make decisions about this challenge. Even in our own communities, there are sometimes people at odds with one another because of the language they speak or because of the color of their skin or because of some other difference that they've elevated in such a way as to make it seem consequential when in your world it is not. 
This day as we speak of ascension, of the victory that Jesus has won over sin and death, we know that that is our victory too. Sometimes we're reluctant to claim it, but it is ours. And so help us this day, Father, to claim that victory, to know in Jesus not only are we saved and redeemed, but we are empowered to follow the witness of your Holy Spirit, to proclaim throughout the world the victory that Jesus has won. We pray your blessings this day, Father, on this congregation and congregations that worship throughout the world. We ask that you would bless us as we share in the distribution of loaf and cup so that as we share this gift, we may embody who Jesus is. In his holy name we pray. Amen.